Skull Rock Podcast is brought to you by the generosity of the following companies. Sure, sound extraordinary. To podcasters, recording musicians, and streamers who are looking for studio quality audio at home or on the road, the Sure MV7 Podcast Kit is a premium all-in-one solution inspired by the legendary Shure SM7B and is designed to address the versatility required by modern creators. For more on the Shure MV7 podcast kit, visit shure.com, S-H-U-R-E.com, or click the link in our show notes. Shure, sound extraordinary. And by The Old Mill Press, publishing beautifully crafted books that illuminate our world. To learn more, visit theoldmillpress.com. And by listeners like you. This is animator Ron Husband, and you're listening to the Skull Rock Podcast. Skull Rock Podcast, talking all things Disney, with your hosts, L. John Goh and Dave Bossert. Welcome in, everyone, to another edition of Skull Rock Podcast, the show about all things Disney and pop culture. Every week, we take you behind the scenes of some of your favorite Disney films, theme park attractions, performances, books, as well as what's streaming, what's playing in theaters, and what's going on in the universe of entertainment. I'm Al John Go. Got a little hoarse voice here for you, so enjoy it. Enjoy my octave range. Uh, musician, longtime Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, and pop culture fan, you can email me, Aljon, A-L-J-O-N, at SkullRockPodcast.com. And I'm Dave Bossard, artist, filmmaker, author, and welcome to the Skull Rock Podcast. If you love Disney and pop culture, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can also like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can also email me at Dave at SkullRockPodcast.com. Well, Al John, uh, it's another week. Uh, I know you got to save your voice a little bit. You're losing it somewhat. <laughs> but uh, we have uh, another great show. We've got part three with our conversation with animation legend Willie Ito. Yes. Um, looking forward to that. He's going to be talking about uh, Hello, Maggie, the, bo- the children's book he illustrated uh, with a friend of his and also some other projects he's doing. I mean, he's certainly not retired. He's keeping no. busy. He's got a busy schedule. Certainly keeping keeping busy. And it's always great to see what he's up to and all the animation he's done. Gosh, in his career, he's done so much. I mean, <laughs> I mean the Hanna-Barbera stuff, the Disney stuff, it's just amazing. So, so Oh, no, it's, it, it's tremendous. And he's just an incredible individual, yes. you know, so, such a nice guy. Yes, 100%. Uh, Before we get into uh, that awesome interview and what's going on this week in terms of news, um, I want everyone to, once again, check out the show Archives Willie Ito in parts two. And number one, of course, you go back in the show archives and leave us those uh, those kind of comments and five-star reviews. We do appreciate that. But right now, it is time for... What we've been seeing this week, Dave, what have you been watching this week? Well, you know, I got to tell you, um, you know, I watched the first episode that dropped of uh, Ted Lasso season three. It's the final season, apparently. And, uh, you know, just I really enjoy that show. It's a great show. It's It's a great ensemble cast. Nice. I like it. And while I was on, and that was on Apple Plus, I actually um, uh, saw a show also on Apple Plus. Uh, that um, caught my eye. It's called Slow Horses, and mm-hmm. it's a thriller. 
It's uh, following a dysfunctional team of MI5 agents and their obnoxious boss, the notorious <laughs> Jackson Lamb, as they navigate the espionage world's smoke and mirrors to defend England from sinister forces. I got to tell you, this has a great cast. Gary Oldman plays sort of the uh, the boss of this team, this MI5 team that's <laughs> sort of, you know, dysfunctional is is being kind um and uh and it also stars jack uh loudon uh as river cartwright one of the agents working with gary oldman and and a whole slew of uh great actors and actresses Kristen scott thomas is in this um it's it's really a very enjoyable uh um series and I got to tell our audience, season one and season two are on Apple Plus, and they announced that they're doing season three and season four. They're shooting those back to back. Oh, wow. So I'm I'm very excited that it's going to be coming back, but it's a really well done series. And, and if you like sort of the, um, you know, espionage, MI5, it's all shot in London and England. Uh, and Gary Oldman is just a great actor and he leads this ensemble cast. Uh, so check it out. Uh, slow horses on Apple plus. I give it two thumbs up on that one. There you go. I also, you know, I'm keeping current on Mandalorian and, um, also Daisy Jones and the six on Netflix. Tell me how it's going. You know, I, I'm really, I didn't think I was going to like this series, uh, but I really am enjoying it. You Good. know, it's kind of a band coming together, uh, meteoric rise and then, uh, imploding. Yeah. It sounds you like, my, it sounds like the story of my band. <laughs> there you go. You know, I mean, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's really well done. Uh, and I, I, I'm really enjoying the episodes. Very good. Um, and by the way, Mandalorian's on Disney plus. Yeah. Uh, so, so make sure you check out those as they drop. Uh, Daisy Jones and the Six is on Netflix. There you so go. that's it for this week. I am actually going to go see. Uh, by the time this show drops, I will have seen um, Shazam in uh, IMAX. There you go. And, and by the way, you know why I'm so excited about seeing Shazam? Why is that? Because uh, the production licensed several of my daughter's uh, wood block cut, you know, wood cut prints that she did. They licensed them and they're apparently going to be in the bedroom of uh, Zach Levi's character. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm, I, I'll let you know next week if they actually showed up on film. It's amazing. You know? well, I can't but, wait. But uh, yeah, like a year and a half ago, they they reached out to her and uh, and she had to sign a whole bunch of paperwork and everything. Of and course. they bought uh, they bought the prints from her. I love know? it. I love it. Isn't I that I right. Yeah, I mean, this is this is what we do all the time in terms of placement, you know, for guitars and things of that nature. So it's great that your uh, your daughter's got some art possibly being shown in the movie. So that's awesome. There you go. Well, I, well, we hope. Yeah. Well, well, I will let you know. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. I'm looking forward to checking out uh, Shazam as well because I'm a big fan of Zachary Levi and that whole, um, that to me, 
prior to James Gunn and uh, Peter Safran going into the DC universe and they're the rebooting the franchises, Shazam was a bright spot for me because it was it was just a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that was great. So this week for me, I'm still on the Picard kick. Um, the show is getting better and better. The Mandalorian this week delves further into the entire world building character building if you will so i really dug this week's episode and you um if you don't know uh has been going on for what like four seasons this is the fourth season i think on netflix of this very troubled you know serial killer um and now it's turned into more of a whodunit um changing venues from you know taking place on uh from new york to la and now in in london so uh it's very much got this sherlock holmes kind of whodunit vibe um so it's a very interesting way to kind of change things up but um that show continues to put on some twists so i look forward to uh seeing it to its conclusion uh with the series you and and just catching up on all this, the uh, serial cop dramas of, of the week, you know, FBI, Most Wanted, and, you know, Blue Bloods, and uh, the Law and Order SVU, that's kind of my week, you know, awesome. is, is doing that. But anyway, let us know what you've been watching this week. We'd love to hear it, and uh, maybe we'll review it on an upcoming episode of Skull Rock Podcast. Skull Rock Podcast, this week in Disney and pop culture. Oh, Dave, the Oscars have come and gone, and there have been no slaps. No slaps at all this year. No, no. And and you know something? I thought it was uh, a a decent year uh, at the Oscars. Um, uh, I have to tell you, I had my ballot out uh, while I watched the Oscars, and I did pretty good. Uh, I I think I got about 80, 85% uh, of the picks. That's awesome. Good for you, Dave. Yeah, it was a good year. I mean, there's some years where it's like, you know, 30 (laughs) or 40% that, you know, I really blow it. But uh, this year was was a good year. And uh, I I was very pleased with... with, with who won uh, for the most part. Well, there you um, go. There, there was a few surprises in there for me. Um, I uh, I actually didn't think Top Gun Maverick was going to win for sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had voted for Avatar, The Way of the Water. Uh, so I thought that that was going to win. Um, and I'm trying to think what else uh, that I missed on. Um yeah, I got I got most of the other ones. Did you I get best picture? On, Did you get I missed best on picture? A, a original sound, uh, original song. Oh, okay. Uh, I I had voted for "Lift Me Up" for uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Yeah, there you go. You know, and uh, let's see what else. Uh, uh, I got most of the others. I missed a documentary feature film. Uh, I had put down "Fire of Love" and uh, Navalny one. Okay. Um, and, uh, I'm trying to think what else here, everything else I was, uh, pretty spot on with, you know, I mean, honestly, visual effects Academy award, of course it was going to go to avatar. Yeah. Yeah. It, it couldn't, couldn't not go to avatar, but you know, I think the bright spot for the Oscars was, uh, Kihu Kwan. Yeah. Yeah. Check this. Uh, uh I got a clip. Uh, I got a clip. Hold yeah. on. Supporting actor. Mom. <laughs> I just want an Oscar to all of you out there. Please keep your dreams alive. Isn't he the best? 
you know, it, it was just so heartwarming to see him up on stage. He's yeah. such a likable person, and yes. I, I hope he's cast in a lot more stuff. I want to see him in things People in the future. Yeah. Um, and I have to say, what a what an incredible story. I mean, it really is the American dream. Yeah. You know, here was here was a guy who was born in Vietnam to Chinese parents, and he was part of the boat people. Yeah. You know, he left Vietnam uh, in a boat. Yes. Uh, and then spent a year in a refugee camp before making it to Los Angeles. Yeah. I mean, a, an incredible, an incredible story for him. You know, I and looked to up see- to him. I looked up to him when I was a kid because yeah. I, I loved Indiana Jones growing up and to see him play short round and then to him play uh, data in the Goonies, which was yeah. probably one of my, it, you know, it, those are the kind of films that when you're at a certain age, um, transitioning from being a child into a teenager and you see those films, they really have an impact on you. Star Wars, yeah. Indiana Jones, the Goonies, all that stuff happened at a certain age for me, kind of like Stranger Things. It was really important. Ghostbusters, all those things were really important. And he was so important to me. And yeah. to see him just thriving is just it's like a underdog story, you know, Yeah. he leaves Hollywood and it comes back super strong. And then to be part of the best picture of the 95th annual Academy Awards, everything, yeah. everywhere, all at once is just awesome. So it, re- it really yeah. was. I mean, it, it was terrific. I have to say, and yeah. uh, I was very, very happy and moved by, by his speech, yeah. you know? So uh, all in all, uh, I think it was a decent year and, you know, I, I think the one observation I would make is that there were a lot more in the way of popular films in uh, the Academy this year. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, to see, you know, Top Gun Maverick uh, being, you know, uh, one of the um, uh, best picture nominations, uh, you know, it's a picture that was seen by so many people, yeah. you know, and I think, I think, you know, for the Academy to strive uh, they really have to start looking at, you know, more pop culture films, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, for a while it was all about these very obscure art pictures that no one saw or hardly anybody saw, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, and I think uh, that's one of the, re- that's one of the reasons why they were losing so much uh, viewership on the, uh, on the Oscars. Well, I, that's Hollywood not, um, you know, not really ha- being on the pulse of what people are wanting to see. You know, I mean, people mm-hmm. vote with their people always vote with their wallet, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it's, yeah. it's great that that people are are well, they want people to tune into the Academy Award Show for one. Yeah, um, it's been on a steady you know, it's decline. A, it's a celebration for years. of it's it's a celebration of movies, of of the film arts. Right. You know, of course you want you want people to uh, tune in. You know, and they hadn't been because a lot of these things that were you know being nominated within the Academy, it was almost like the Academy was in a bubble. You yeah. know, watching stuff, and the rest of the country wasn't really seeing those movies. You yeah. know, as a side note, I think. You know, we talked about animated films over the past few months and um, who's been nominated, et cetera. Best animated short goes to The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse, which we've talked about um, yeah. several times on the show. Um, and then best animated film goes to Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. 
Um, which is what we talked about. I, I felt it was the best animated film of the year. I mean, uh, you know, some people didn't like it because of the dark overtones and, you know, the fascism, uh, uh, you know, story edge to it. Uh, but I have to tell you, I still think it was uh, one beautiful movie. There you go. Um, from my perspective and, uh, you know, just a, a gorgeous stop motion uh, picture uh, that. And, and by the way, it didn't taint my opinion of Disney's Pinocchio. Yeah, it, it, I viewed it as it was just a another version of uh, the Pinocchio tale. Yes. And uh, and I thought I thought he did an incredible job. The the whole team uh, that worked on it did an incredible job. It's just a, a beautiful, beautiful movie. Yeah, there are there is so many there's so much room for these classic tales to be told, you know, hundreds of different of different times by different people with different visions. And people tend to forget that, you know, um, Cinderella has been told so many times yeah. and in different ways. And so, you know, it's really cool. And, and, uh, well, there you have it. There you have it. You know, the, the one thing I will say is that if, if our listeners have a moment, they should check out the boy, the mole, the horse and the fox. Uh-huh. And it's on Apple, uh, Apple plus Apple TV and, go. uh, check it out because it is really an absolutely beautifully animated and beautifully crafted um short film and when i say short film it's about 30 minutes uh but it's heartwarming it it just has a heart to it it's it's gorgeous to watch i had i had the pleasure of seeing it projected in the samuel goldwyn theater uh when i went for the um uh the bake-off voting for short subject for the academy awards there you go um but you know, I, I saw it on a big screen and it was just, I mean, it was just stunning. Uh, but, you know, watch it on Apple TV. It's a, it's a beautiful film. Right on. Speaking of watching films, the current box office is, is still, uh, I don't know, it's kind of in a lull period, I think. Uh, Shazam! Fury of the Gods is at number one at the box office, but it only grossed, uh, what was it, hundred? Uh, what is it, $11.7 million opening day. Um, I think it was going to do like low thirties yeah. for the weekend. Yeah, which is know? which is less than the uh, the uh, the original Shazam that Zachary Levi starred in, which was fifty three million opening weekend. Yeah. Um, you know, do you put much faith in the Rotten Tomatoes and the those type of things? Because I think a lot of people might be swayed. Um, you know, by the different scuttlebutt going on around these films. Um, a lot of, you them- know, I, I try not to, I, I try yeah. not to put, um, I, I try not to look at a lot of those things uh, before I go see a film. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if there's a film that's going to be in the theaters that I want to go see, I just want to go see it. Well, you know, you my, my friend Rick, who I go to the movies with uh, often, uh, you know, he reads a lot of that stuff. You know, mm-hmm. he'll say, "Well, it's not getting great reviews." I'm saying, "Well, you know what? I want to go see it anyway. Let's go see it." Yeah, you, ju- you, know? you be the and, judge for yourself. Yeah, I want to judge for myself, and certainly, um, uh, you know, from the trailers that I've seen for Shazam: uh, Fury of the Gods, uh, it looks good to me. Yeah, and by the way, I think part of the box office could be getting affected by all this horrific weather that's happening across the country. True. 
you know? So, uh, you know, I, I would sit there and say, "Mm, you know what, let's see if it has legs. Yeah. There's a lot of factors that go into how a movie does at the box office and weather is definitely one when, you know, there's shoveling snow, uh, out of your driveway. There's no way you're going to get out there and, and see something like that. But, uh, you know, scream looks to take the second spot. Um, a 60% tumble from uh, last week when it debuted. And then you got Creed three as well. So those are the top three in there. And man of the wasp continues to, uh, you know, kind of level out, you know, barely breaking uh, a million, but uh, you know, it's had a really good runtime. Uh, you know, so far, I think, uh, you know, I think this is just a calm before the storm. You know, this is spring break time. And in just a few weeks, we're getting ready for the big summertime push day. It's crazy. There's going to be some big, big movies. I think the box office is bouncing back this year. That's my feeling. Yeah, I think just because because last year was a little thin on uh, movies because of the pandemic. Uh, And I think things got back to some kind of normalcy towards the end of 21 and certainly last year, 22 uh as far as production goes so we're going to start to see the fruits of those uh you know those labors uh in recent years uh coming out into the theaters this year yeah. uh you know there's mission impossible dead reckoning yeah uh i can't wait for that by the way i didn't mention it in what i watched but i did watch over the weekend uh mission impossible rogue nation oh yeah I rewatched that. I had seen it a couple of times. It's a good it's movie. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, uh, and, and so, you know, I'm prepping myself for uh, Dead Reckoning, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Also, you've got Indiana Jones 5 coming out. Yep. Um, you know, there, there's just, you know, John wick four. Oh, I can't wait for that. I heard it's uh, the mean, best one yet. It's, it's, there's, there's so many good movies. It, it, it's really going to be thrilling to get back into the theaters. I think for most people, uh, and, and by the way, it, it, if our listeners haven't seen Creed three yet, you should really go see Creed three. I can't wait to see it. You know, yeah, that's, Michael that's B. Jordan and, uh, Jonathan majors. I mean, you know, you want to see some great performances, you know, go see that. I'm trying to urge my wife to go watch it because she is not a Rocky person. And I said, you know what, Rocky, if you take, if you were to just give, tell someone like, what is the Rocky franchise all about? Just watch Rocky one, Rocky two, Rocky four, Rocky Balboa and Creed. And you're in good shape. Yeah. You're really in good shape. You don't have to watch everything. Just watch selected ones and uh, they're feel i think they're feel good movies i think rocky balboa was great and i thought that creed i thought creed was very good very good and creed 2 was very good so um you know i'm just i'm looking forward to seeing it myself but uh yeah i'm just trying to get and try to get her to also watch indiana jones dave can you imagine she's never seen an indiana jones movie who my wife Kristen. Has she been living under a rock? That's what I'm saying. It's like, how can this be possible? I mean, you love Michael Keaton, you love Beetlejuice and Batman and all this, but you haven't seen, you know, you just haven't seen the quintessential Harrison Ford, you know, films. You you need to binge watch all four uh, of the Indiana Jones movies with her. Uh, and and then, uh, go out and see, uh, Indiana Jones five when it opens. That's, that's my plan. I'm trying to get her ensnared in the whole (laughs) Indiana Jones of it all. But, uh, anyway, so speaking of Ant-Man and the Wasp, you know, 
and you have some insight into this, Dave. How does a, a company like Disney uh, handle leaks of its scripts and and plots? That, I mean, were you around when when that stuff uh, kind of happened? When those leaks happened? Well, I I got to tell you something. You know, they have an incredible security division. You know, corporate security at the Walt Disney Company. And I'm not going to go into too much detail about what I've seen and who I've talked to, but let me just put it Why to you not, this way. Why not, Dave? It's the there, good there, stuff. There's some, <laughs> there, 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 there's some former FBI guys. Oh, my Like Lord. guys that ran, like, you know, the FBI Chicago office. Yes. That, that are working for the company. And the fact that there's an article that says the Walt Disney Company hunts for the person responsible for leaking Ant-Man script, the fact that there is an article in, this was in the business standard news. Uh, and I have to tell you, they're going to get this person uh, you know what because I, they, they have, they're spending money. Oh yeah. You know, they got subpoenas for Google and Reddit to turn over uh, IP addresses of where stuff came from. Oh yeah. And they're, they're going to get this person. And mm -hmm. I I'm telling you, they're not going to escape this. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you messaged me this article about the, you know, the hunting of this leak person, the, the WikiLeaks person over at Disney. And I just laughed and I said, they already got him. You know, you know I, I have to tell you something. I, I just think it's terrible when people do this kind of stuff. I don't know what they're thinking. Are they, they is it, oh, is I it do. puffing themselves up? 100%. Is it making them, 100%. Making themselves to feel like I'm the inside dude. Yes. I got this, you it's know, ego driven. It's always is, ego driven. Is that all it is? You know, it's because I think driven. it's, I think it's terrible. I think it hurts movies. I think it hurts TV shows yeah. when when these kinds of things leak out and and people know what's going on before they go to the movies so that it sort of blows the surprise. People you know? people want to be in the know. Uh they want to feel like they're part of the the process and they all have this, you know, opinion on things. And I have to tell you Dave, this week I had my own dealing with a leak that happened in my company. I'll just go really? out there and say it. Yeah. So, um, you know, somebody had leaked somebody um, that's not associated with the company. It was just, it was a fan. And this person had, had uh, posted some photos and I just, you know, we went down and I, I found, I found what happened, you know, to it. And it was just a complete oversight. But uh, at the bottom line is, is that people, this person was such a fan and didn't realize what they were doing was wrong. And in this case, I don't think it's that I, you know, I think people are fans, but they want to be the go-to scooper. It's so p important for people to feel like they're, they're scooping and they know something. I know something you don't know. And to boost up their, you know, cred within a community of fandom and the fandom is insatiable, Dave. I mean, the videos that go on about the speculation and it's so much fun for fans to speculate, but there is something to be said about people absolutely spoiling a film. And I think it's wrong. And I, I don't like that. And Kevin Feige, of course, doesn't like it. He, um, I remember they went on this crusade when Avengers Endgame had come out, Dave, you remember like Thanos requires your silence, you know, that yeah. kind of stuff. And it was a really effective campaign. Don't spoil 
don't spoil it for other people that have yet to see it that will. And exactly. I thought it was very effective. And it, you know, it, I just think that these people on Reddit, they just want to be, that's that scooper mentality. They want to have something over these other people. So, you know, something I, I, it, it, it is just awful when people spoil it for everyone else. Yeah. I, I just don't like it. I, I just, you know, keep it to yourself. Yeah, I yeah. wish they would. I wish they would because I really try to stay off social media when these things happen. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, it's just terrible. Well, we have some Disney Plus news, Dave. Uh, the latest series on Disney Plus. Uh, we've got some dates here. You know, uh, Jeremy Renner, who has uh, uh, been in the headlines as of late uh, with his snowplow accident, who's uh, yeah. recovering. Poor guy. Uh, he's on the mend. And he's got a new series called Renovations happening on Disney Plus. And the premiere date, mark your calendars, for April 12th. Uh, it's a four-part series showcasing his passion for renovating vehicles and giving back to local communities. And uh, that, to me, speaks to Jeremy's heart. He is mm-hmm. someone that gives back and uh, cannot wait for that new show on Disney Plus, April 12th. We also yeah, have and a, you know, yeah. and right now, uh, you know, our listeners can see him in uh, King of, uh, yep. uh, excuse me, Mayor of Kingstown. Yes. Uh, and w- which is uh, running on Paramount Plus. Uh, and by the way, when I rewatched Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, Jeremy Renner's in that. Uh-huh. Yes, he is. So uh, I'm just saying uh, it's uh, a lot of good stuff coming from him. I'm wondering, do you know if he's coming back as the Arrow? Uh, he should be coming back as Hawkeye. But the, the, oh, excuse I think, me, they, Hawkeye. I think they've you. been greenlit for a season two of Hawkeye. But I think it's going to be yeah, it's going to take some time. You know, because yeah, I yeah, think there's got, a lot of rehabilitation recover. left. Yeah, he's got yeah. a lot of uh, You guy. know, if you have if you had thirty bones broken, I mean, I would Oof. say, you know, it's a, a a bit of a recovery. Well, he, I'm I'm so happy he he's living, um, you know, and recovering. So, yeah. Well, check this out too. You know, uh, March seventh, a four part episode series. It's going. That's uh, actually all already on Disney Plus. Is Disney's Empower, uh, which focuses on spotlighting some of the Marvel Cinematic Universe's most inspirational female heroes. Uh, So please check that out. If you're a big fan of Marvel, I know I will. It's on my queue. You can also check out... Sounds like your kids are excited about that My kids are always excited about it. They are always (laughs) excited about it. Uh, Also, of note, Disney Plus, it's May 24th. It's a premiere date for the highly anticipated series starring Michelle Yeoh, American-born Chinese. So please check that out as well. Now we're into uh, a big, big, big story, Dave. A few days ago, uh, Disney uh, Disney legend uh, Raleigh Crump had passed away. Um, yeah, David, you, you know Raleigh Crump. You know, I did not really know oh, okay. Raleigh Crump. I I met him once, you know, but I didn't know him, uh, and I wish I I had an opportunity to know him. But our paths never really crossed that much uh, at all. Uh, and, uh, it was just sad to hear this, but on the flip side of it, he was 93. Yes. He had a really great life. He had a really, a pretty amazing life. I have to say. Right on. Well, you know, the animator turned theme park designer who was instrumental in the design of Disneyland had passed away Sunday in his Carlsbad home where he'd been in hospice. Um, Christopher Crump had uh, mentioned, uh, you know, he'd been there. And as his health declined, I mean, it's just so important to, you know, 
take note of all the contributions he's had at the studio for so long. Uh, he'd be one of the most important people uh, and designers behind It's a Small World, The Enchanted Tiki Room, Haunted Mansion, just to name a few. And uh, he is a legend, and uh, or he was a legend. And uh, many people have gotten to know his works over the years because he had done so many interviews, um, you know, in his time there. Um, and, I, you know, he, he, he actually started at Disney, he got hired in 1952. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, he caught the eye of, uh, Walt Disney, um, and, uh, and, and, and by the way, they talked in, in, in the obituary about this, that, you know, um, because he had Walt's, uh, ear, um, you know, some, some of the other, uh, Imagineers were a little put off by that. Um, uh, because, uh, you know, he kind of circumvented the chain. Uh, and went right to Walt on a couple of things. And mm -hmm. that may have been contributed to the fact that he left in the 70s and he went off and he did some stuff with Knott's Berry Farm and and then ultimately came back and worked on Epcot. So uh, he he's kind of like Raleigh Crump is sort of like he was he was like the beatnik uh, beatnik generation uh, yes. uh, kind of guy. Um, he He was more on the fringes. Uh, doing some more wild stuff. And, you know, if you read anything about the Haunted Mansion, you'll know in the early development, he had uh, put together a whole uh, museum of the weird. I love that. Uh, yeah. that, that Walt really liked and uh, ultimately was never made. Uh, but aspects of that were, you know, contributed to the Haunted Mansion. Uh, Bob Gurr, um, legendary Imagineer, and quote, one of our past guests, one of our past guests, we love Bob yeah. quote. He had a way of doing outrageous art. Um, and you know, a lot of those things had come to pass when he and Gurr worked on the different ride vehicles with Mr. Tur Toad's wild ride and the different concepts of that nature. But I love that kind of irreverent style. You said the beatneck generation. I mean, look at the animation credits he worked on too, which was kind of a product of, of what pop culture was at that time. Peter Pan, Lady and the Tramp, Sleeping Beauty, 101 Dalmatians, especially. Um, mm -hmm. And I love the fact that 101 Dalmatians has a, you know, that, that kind of beatneck style. I really, I really dug yeah. that, you know? So, uh, you know, rest in peace. I think Wally Crump has made such a mark um, with all the attractions and all the different types of animation he's did for Disney over the years. So rest in peace. What a legend. Yes. Then we, we have here Lance Reddick, the wire and John Wick star dies at 60. Wow. So young, Dave, this was an absolute shock to yes. me. I, I just couldn't even believe it because I kind of felt like Lance Reddick's uh, career was really taking off. Yeah. I mean, he was not only in The Wire, but he was in um, the John Wick series. In fact, next week, John Wick 4 is dropping in the theaters, and he's once again in that movie. Yeah. Uh, but he was also in the Bosch series on yeah. uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, he played the uh, police commissioner, the you know, the, the head of the LAPD police department. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell you, I mean, really a terrific actor. Um, and I just enjoyed him and everything I saw him in. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I was just so sad to see this news because I mean, 60, that is young, super young, really you know? young. And he worked with Disney too. He did uh, voiceovers for DuckTales, 
He yeah. did Rick and Morty, Castlevania, The Vindicator. So he did a lot of voice work too for anime and animation in general. But uh, so many people had a heart, uh, you know, outpour of, of of support for him and and his work when he had passed away this past week. So yeah, you know, just uh, an incredible talent. And at least we get to check him out here in the upcoming John Wick Four um, and various projects. So. Uh, rest in peace. Did they ever say what the cause of death was? They? All they said was natural causes. So you can only uh, assume that his heart just stopped, oh, you know, so because sad. he seemed like he was in really good shape. Yeah, the guy, the guy looked in, like he was in great shape. And uh, yeah, I mean, he was lean and, you know, just, uh, you know, uh, really a, 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 um, a great actor who had a presence on yeah. screen. Yeah. You know, anytime he came on screen, there was a presence there. When stuff like this happens, I just oftentimes remind myself that our tomorrows are never guaranteed. So live every That's day right. like it was your last. And Lance Reddick, well, please rest in peace. And by the way, yes. my motto is choke the life out of every day. There you go. Because you don't know if you're going to have another one. There you go. That wraps up our segment here. We're moving into our great interview, Willie Ito, for his epic third part in his uh, sit-down interview with us. Enjoy. Let's do it. Skull Rock Podcast. Interview time. Well, Al John, once again, we're back with Willie Ito for part three of our interview. Uh, Willie, welcome back to the Skull Rock Podcast. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Thank you, audience. <laughs> We're an audience of one today because my sound effects don't work today. Wait, wait, hold on a second. I think I just got them to work. Here you go. Hold on. There it is. They're here. There you go, audience Willie. Our audience goes wild once again. It, it, it's great to have you back. And, you know, the, you. Last two, the, the last two episodes, we, we really fo- focused on your career and you told some great stories and I, I wanted to spend uh, this episode really talking a little bit more about what you're doing now. I mean, you said you retired, but I think we all know we never retire when we're artists, right? You're, you're so, so right. <laughs> right. So, you know, you, you're not working for the man. But uh, you're doing your own thing now, and and you you uh, participated with uh, the book, the Three Tuners, which I have a copy of and I love. Um, you want to talk a little bit about how that all came about? Well, uh, after I retired, of course, my garage was just filled with boxes of uh, things that I hauled out of the uh, various studios that I worked at. And, um, so, you know, as I was going through it, I found a lot of, uh, real classic original art by, um, like Chuck Jones and, and, uh, my days at Warner brothers. And then of course my Hanna-Barbera, I had a bunch of layouts and character designs and things stored in the boxes. And, uh, I, um, I suddenly realized that there was a, a, a little market out there with collectors that would buy it and trade it or put it on the uh, uh, auction block or whatever. So I, um, I started to uh, post a lot of my uh, Hanna-Barbera artwork and they would all be selling. 
And uh, so I was rather curious. My gosh, I wonder who's buying all of this stuff, you know? And so I was invited uh, a few years ago by uh, Luca Cerotti from uh, uh, Nimaland, uh, which is located in Florence. And uh, uh, he invited me to come and receive an award uh, in Florence, Italy, a 10-day, you know, a great trip, uh, you know, of course, at that time, my wife was uh, with me, but, but she was just ill enough where it was going to be difficult for her to travel. So I told Luca, I said, gee, I really appreciate your uh, invitation and all that, but, uh, I guess I'm going to just have to pass because, uh, you know, uh, I can't really leave my wife alone and she can't travel. So we kind of left it at that. And then uh, a few years later, uh, my wife passed. And apparently, um, uh, Luca and company uh, reinstated the invitation. And at that time, I was working with Jerry Eisenberg and Tony Benedict uh, doing the uh, Comic-Con panels and all that. And... uh, so we we were actually known as the three tuners, and uh, uh, Luca says, "Well, why don't we uh, uh, invite all three of you?" You know, so so basically, uh, unfortunately, uh, Jerry could make it, but then Tony was uh, available. So Tony and I went, and um, we got the uh, total red carpet treatment. And our drawings that uh, somehow ended up in in some collector's hand happened to be Luca. And he has a museum that uh, had all of our uh, original drawings beautifully framed in the Renaissance uh, pattern. And uh, I I was quite uh, blown away and honored at the same time. So one day we were sitting in Luca's uh, uh, studio and the subject of Hanna-Barbera art being so popular and um, whenever I would post it on any of the auction sites, it would sell. And and so I just kind of uh, uh, was, you know, saying to Luca, gee, I wonder who buys these things, you know, Hanna-Barbera art. And he went to his flat file, pulled it open, and it was just filled with <laughs> with uh, our artwork. Uh, mine, Jerry's, uh, Bob Singer, Iwo Takamoto, uh, Tony Benedict, and all that. And so we found the culprit who is or is such a Hanna-Barbera fan that anything that's posted, you know, either on Heritage or whatever uh, animation auction uh, site um, would sell. And it was Luca that was uh, uh, purchasing all of that, you know. So we were rather blown away. And uh, uh, one of the animators uh, that is working with Luca is uh, Sandro Cruzo. And of course, uh, you know, most of you uh, from Disney and uh, Don Bluth and 
DreamWorks and, you know, you know uh, of uh, Sandro's work, beautiful yeah. animator and character designer and all that, you know. And so he, it turns out that Sandro, too, was a fan of ours. <laughs> We're thinking, my gosh, here are these guys that, um, well, guys like Sandro that, uh, you know, worked at uh, Disney Features <laughs> and yeah. DreamWorks. And, and it's just he's still admiring our our uh, little Hanna Barbera character work and all that. Well, then um, uh, the um, uh, Nemo Land uh, started. Well, went ahead and started to uh, put together a book, and that's the uh, Three Tuna book that uh, you guys uh, have seen, and. Um, uh, he he started to really promote the three tuners, and um, uh, then again one day in his office, I noticed a copy of Hello Maggie on the shelf, and I said, "Oh my gosh, you even have my uh, Hello Maggie book?" And he says, "Yeah, you know, um, yeah, anything." He gets on the uh, uh, you know website, and then <laughs> Willie Ito he he buys and whatever so uh well, joking, and willie, can, can, willie can, yeah can can you let our audience know uh what uh hello maggie is okay yeah i'll i'll, uh, I'll get to that uh <clears throat> i retired uh after 50 years in the animation industry from disney in 1999 and i figured well i think i'm going to just break all my pencils in half and, and take my, um, Ken Weber, uh, animation desk and, and, uh, put it, uh, for sale and make a good piece of change. Then my partner, my writing partner, Yabu, we grew up together in San Francisco post war. And so we were at that age where we were um, uh, doing, you know, basketball and uh, like an athletic club. Uh, and um, later, as we got older, uh, it became a social club too, you know. So anyhow, uh, uh, at that time, Shig uh, decided to join the Navy, which he did. And so he moved down to San Diego. Meanwhile, I was in San Francisco attending San Francisco City College and um, was sort of planning uh, what my future might be uh, school-wise, you know. And uh, so um, when I received a scholarship from uh, Chenard's, I came down here and was attending Chenard's. And um, then, of course, Fortunately, I got hired, and uh, then I worked in the industry until I retired. So at the time of my retirement, she gets in touch with me and says, he, he wrote a book, and uh, a children's book, and would I be interested in uh, illustrating it? And I, I said to Shig, my gosh, you know, I, I've been drawing for 50 years, and I'm tired, and I... I I think I'm going to retire or in my retirement, I don't think I'm going to draw even a stick figure, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, but, but he was rather insistent. 
And he says, oh, come on, you know, we've known each other for a long time and, and blah, blah, blah. And I tell, oh, shake. Okay, uh, why don't you do me a favor? Send me the manuscript. And then I'll look it over and then I'll tell you if I have the energy to sit down and uh, illustrate it. And so he did. And as I was reading it, I realized it was uh, basically about his encounter while incarcerated in one of the um, uh, uh, internment camps for Japanese Americans during the war. So I thought, well, you know, it's a story that is not really readily taught in school. I have four kids, and um, I asked, you know, my, my kids, did you ever study anything about uh, World War II Japanese uh, incarceration? He said, well, it may have been mentioned, but they, they never go into it very deeply. And so I went down to the uh, Japanese American Museum at that time, and the amount of books on the subject was very, very limited. So I told Shig, you know, the subject interests me, and although Shig and I, we were in different camps, the experiences was the same. We, we actually slept in the same type of barracks covered with the tar paper, no insulation, mm -hmm. and uh, heating was a big pot belly stove where we would burn coal. Uh, and, um, you know, we all uh, ate in a public mess hall, and the latrines were just uh, a, line, a, a whole lineup of commodes, and um, later the uh, uh, ladies, being a little more modest, started to hang sheets between the commodes, so there was some semblance of uh, privacy, and so I thought, well, you know, the uh, the story of Hello, Maggie is a child-friendly story. It takes place in camp, so I could actually uh, illustrate some of the uh, uh, situations that we were involved in, but, you know, it's basically uh, a children's story. So I told Shay, yeah, I think I, I, I will illustrate it. And uh, so I... Um, what I did is uh, I locked myself up for 10 days, uh, two weeks, uh, basically, in, in my uh, studio in Palm Springs. No one around, no visitors, just me alone. And I uh, set to work uh, illustrating it, and then I got it done. And then, of course, we now the, the effort was to try to get it published. So we, we submitted to various publishing companies, but you know, I guess the subject matter, they were a little uh, uh, reluctant to you know, uh, publish it. And so uh, we used to go to all the uh, book fairs at U USC and UCLA and talk with publishers and illustrators and all that. And uh, uh, we, we found that it was going to be a, a little tough to get, uh, get it published. So Shig and I decided, hey, what the heck, we'll uh, each put in uh, a few hundred dollars and we'll self-publish it, which we did. 
So initially, I think we had a, a print run of about 500, and then we had to um, make the rounds to places like the uh, Japanese American Museum and Kinokuniya bookstores in Little Tokyo. And, and uh, we made a trip up to San Francisco because that's both Shigan are uh, in my um, hometown. And uh, during one of the uh, Cherry Blossom festivals, we were uh, in the parade uh, with a big sign on the side of the car introducing Hello Maggie. And then later we had a, a book signing and a little uh, program. And so little by little, you know, we, with our own efforts, got the, uh, the book somewhat recognized. And then, uh, then suddenly we required another printing and then another printing after that. And, and uh, it sort of uh, started to take off. So getting back to Luca in uh, Florence, Italy, uh, we started to kind of talk about the uh, Hello Maggie. And kiddingly, I said, I wonder, you know, would you guys be interested in maybe tackling Hello Maggie as a, a school project or a class project? And um, uh, we, we kind of laughed about it. And um, uh, a couple of years later, uh, we get notified by Luca saying, yeah, uh, they've decided to go ahead and do it. And uh, Sandra was very interested in, um, uh, you know, being part of it. And so uh, in tandem with uh, Sheridan College in Toronto, Canada, uh, uh, this was Tony Tarantini, and uh, so with with the cooperation of uh, both schools, uh, we kind of got it off the ground, and uh, so now we're at that point where uh, we've got uh, uh, a good financing to get the project started, but because uh, now we're extending it from a 14-minute short subject to a 22-minute uh, half-hour show that, uh, you know, fundraising is uh, is a, an important thing right now. So yeah. that's basically how the book got started. And and, and it, it, it's basically a story that takes place inside an internment camp. Yes, correct. Yeah. Yeah, it, basically, uh, Shig uh, and his gang actually snuck out of camp, you know, crawled out from underneath the barbed wire fences or jumped over it. And then they went out to the Shoshone River where they had a lot of uh, birds flying around. And uh, there was a nest. And one of the kids in the group shot the uh, nest uh, with a slingshot. Uh, and uh, the nest fell to the ground. And in it was a little baby chick, uh, a little magpie chick. And so she uh, brought it back to camp, nursed it, and uh, it became a pet. And uh, I guess magpies, like crows, uh, you know, they uh, they get pretty large. And uh, uh, it started to imitate sounds. And it would actually start saying words in Japanese. Because a lot of the internees, you know, were uh, uh, immigrants, and yeah. uh, 
and so of course the war now is coming to a, to a close and most internees are now allowed to return home and of course she had uh, this full grown magpie with the wings clipped and you know there was uh, well now what is he going to do with it he can't let it free because it's, it can't fly and um so th- there, there was a dilemma there, but apparently, uh, the magpie is, has a, instinctively has a feeling that uh, Shig will be leaving, and so one morning Shig gets up and sees uh, Maggie laying on the uh, floor of the uh, of his cage, and uh, apparently it's. Uh, you know, sick, and so he tries to nurse it back to health, but but uh, it, it passes on, and so she buries uh, Maggie underneath one of the uh, guard towers, and uh, so it, it's like, you know, she grew up, uh, his, well, his childhood, three years in captivity, and Maggie uh, suffered the same fate, uh, you know, being uh, growing up in captivity and then passing on. So the story is a little poignant, uh, but within the story, we try to show, uh, you know, the living conditions, the barracks, and and some of the activities that we, uh, uh, the young people, you know, they found, well, actually everyone in camp uh, found different activities. The elders, uh, you know, they did bonsai trees with sagebrush and whatever they could grow in this arid soil. It was incredible that um, the arts and crafts that came out of the uh, internees. And and so um, on Saturdays, we had like, um, uh, like a workshop. And I would attend and uh, do a lot of paintings and drawings. And uh, But one of the things that uh, we used to do, or I used to do, was we had no stores. And I may have mentioned this already, but since we had no stores, uh, we would have to order our basic needs through Sears and Roebuck and Montgomery Ward catalogs. And yeah. every three months, they would issue us new catalogs with new items. And of course the catalogs were very uh, precious because it acted as good fuel for our pot belly stoves during the winter. But, you know, uh, my dad would let me have one uh, to play with. And uh, in the margins, I would uh, start drawing little figures uh, hopping and jumping and bouncing ball and all that. The typical, you know, uh, animation 101. So I yeah. would use the flip book and, or use it as a flip book. And, and I guess you might say that was my very early foray into the art of animation. Yeah. You had mentioned that previously. And I'm curious to know, are there any of the internment camps still left like uh, you know are there remains of any of those camps or are they completely gone well actually uh, uh, 
a lot of the camps, I don't know if all of it or, or maybe there were 10 camps and like the one that is the book, uh, Heart Mountain, that's now a, a national park and uh, they've recreated uh, the uh, barracks and whatever structures that were there at one time recreate what used to be there, you know, maybe like the hospital or something. But right here in California, uh, in the uh, Sierras, uh, on the way to Mammoth Mountain, uh, 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 they have uh, Manzanar. And Manzanar is, uh, uh, you know, it's a camp that's uh, been uh, pretty much um, uh, not completely restored, but they have a, they have a gift shop and a auditorium, and inside uh, they have recreated the barracks from the actual uh, barracks that they would uh, they took apart and then recreated in the museum. And right here in Los Angeles in Little Tokyo at the uh, Japanese American Museum, there is a barrack uh, that has been re-created re, uh, uh, from the actual barracks from Heart Mountain, Wyoming. Wow. That, that's just, I, I, I'm, I'm actually happy to hear that they've, they've um, preserved some of that because it is part of the World War II history. Uh, yeah. not, not a, not a great part, but it's still part of the, the story, the history of it all. Um, and, uh, it, it's, it, it's absolutely, uh, uh, amazing oh. to me that those things are still, still around. Yeah. And one of the interesting thing is, um, at the museum right now is this huge, huge book with over 1200 or 120,000 names of, uh, of all of us that were incarcerated and you could yeah. find your name and put a little uh, stamp uh, a dot to, yeah. to show. Yeah. And so that's an ongoing thing, which I just did uh, a week ago and uh, it was quite interesting. Yeah. Now, now did you but, just do the dot for yourself or did you do the dot for your whole family? My, my whole family. Yeah. I have to make a return trip because now I have to do uh, the dot for uh, my uh, wife's family. Okay. And yeah, so that and are I'll they are they are they doing any kind of oral history with uh, with some of the people coming in, like yourself who who experienced the camps? Uh, have you done any kind of recorded uh, yeah. oral histories? On uh, let's see about about a. Uh, maybe two weeks ago was the anniversary of the signing of the 9066 order that Franklin Delano Roosevelt signed ordering all of us to be sent to camps. And so at the museum, they had a, uh, uh, you know, quite a program there. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, I was uh, uh, recovering from my bit with COVID, so I can step out of the house. But uh, yeah, so, so you, you so you missed that. I'm sorry. You you missed that. Yeah, I missed it. Uh, we're we're very excited of the fact that uh, Heart Mountain 
has uh, grant, uh, given us the uh, grant, the government grant that was uh, uh, given to Hart Mountain of uh, for you know during the COVID period, yeah. and uh, so they have turned that over to the uh, Hello Maggie project, and uh, so we got a you know fairly good start now, and uh, so we're beginning to roll into production now. Good. So that's going to be an animated uh, special, essentially. Yes. And we hope to, like, uh, premiere it uh, or maybe have a screening at the Japanese American Museum for the community. And uh, up in San Francisco, uh, there's still a fairly uh, sizable Japanese uh, uh, population. And we will... uh, probably have a screening up there since she and I are both from San Francisco Bay yeah. area. Yeah. And, uh, the, along with, uh, you know, other screenings that might be, you know, rather pertinent. And, uh, you know, and I'm, 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 I'm curious to ask the, the question that, um, were you released from the internment camps before the war ended or when the war ended? Uh, we, at, at the time, now, for instance, the war actually ended in uh, uh, August, I, I believe, and we came out of camp in June. Okay. So, yeah, so we were given the option, you know, many, many of the internees had nothing to actually come home to. So yeah. they chose to stay in camp until the very last train pulled out, you know. Uh, in our case, fortunately, my my father was actually uh, born in Hawaii, and so he was regarded as uh, a Nisei or second generation uh, Japanese American. So he was a little more optimistic, and so when the war broke out, rather than abandon our home or sell it um, uh, for whatever you could get for it. Uh, he let uh, a very close uh, friend, a, a Chinese family, to move in uh, rent-free and just take care of it until uh, if and when we came back. And fortunately, when we did uh, come home, uh, we had a home to come back to. So that was quite fortunate. But many guys- of the... Uh, I was yeah. going to ask you, did you, did you, were you able to keep your cars or no, you had to, you had to sell your cars? Well, um, uh, I guess you might say it was optional. There's, uh, there's many families that sold everything, their home, okay. their cars. And but it so wasn't, it wasn't like, were, it wasn't like you, you loaded up your car and drove to the internment camp no, with your car. No, right? no, no, actually. We were allowed to just take what we could carry with our two hands. So, in other words, two suitcases with your bare essentials. And um, so that was basically, it was very limited. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I was really surprised at, at, you know, so many of the luxuries that uh, ended up in camp, you know, like beautiful uh, uh, kimonos that the uh, girls would wear for, for uh, you know, uh, cherry blossom festivals and and um, 
things of that nature. And of course, we, we had full orchestras. So apparently a lot of the musicians uh, snuck their uh, trombones and, uh, uh, you know, they brought their instruments and it sounds to me like everybody made the best of it. Yeah. The best you could, yeah. because there was no alternative. So you just accepted it and exactly. you made the best, you, the, the best of it, uh, uh, and lived your life. Uh, yeah. and, and were you guys treated reasonably well by the guards? Well, actually, um, uh, you know, we were we were fed oh, well. I, I guess we ate as well as the our military did. Uh, one one uh, uh, concession was the fact that when we first uh, were in camp, we had nothing but bread. And the older Japanese, you know, you got to have your rice mm. and. Uh, and so we we uh, traded the rice ration for all the bread that uh, could be sent to the military, or you know, uh, or bread that was sold to the civilians and whatever. <clears throat> so we were finally able to get rice. Uh, I guess a lot of the elderly Japanese have uh, green thumb, so uh, in spite of the arid. Excuse me, desert, alkali dust, and all that. Uh, they were able to grow uh, green vegetables and all that, you know, to compensate. Sure. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. But uh, and then the other thing was because when we first arrived there, it was nothing but desert uh, sand, and when you held it and ran it through your fingers, it's like. You can't possibly grow anything in this thing except sagebrush and cactus. But eventually, we started to see a lot of greens around the camp, and so you know uh, some of the uh, uh, some of those real green thumb uh, Japanese gardeners uh, started to uh, make uh, bonsais and grow grass and. Uh, it, the camp started to look uh, pretty decent. It was quite, uh, that's one of the uh, uh, vivid memories that I have seeing the camp being transformed yeah. into such a livable uh, thing, you know. Sure. You know, uh, it, it sounds to me, Willie, like you're really keeping busy uh, since you so-called <laughs> retired uh, because uh, you 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 did the three tuners book. And when I say three tuners to our listeners, we're saying T O O N E R S tunes yeah. as in tuners yeah. uh, as in cartoons um right. and so you did the three tuners book you've got the hello maggie not only the book that you illustrated uh which by the way i have to tell you i just ordered a copy while you were talking i ordered it on amazon so um next time i see you i'm gonna want you to give me an autograph uh on oh, that book <laughs> <laughs> but but, but now you're taking that children's book and you're turning it into a 22 minute uh, animated uh, special, which I think yeah. is really fantastic and really important. Yeah, I I was quite pleased, and then of course 
because of the nature of the book, Hart Mountain uh, got really behind it and uh, says that, you know, they will uh, uh, take care of the, the, uh, the payroll and the uh, monies and all. And so my, my uh, immediate uh, project right now is the fundraising aspects of it. But uh, the animatics is uh, pretty much completed and um, uh, Tony Tarantini at Sheridan College and his crew did a beautiful job uh, getting up all the um, layouts in the background uh, and, and actually doing a lot of research to capture the feeling of uh, what the camp looked like back then, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and of course, you know, uh, uh, Sandro Caruso and... Uh, his crew uh, of animators are, uh, you know, it's looking real good. So I, I'm rather pleased and excited. That That's fantastic. What what else you got up your sleeve? You seem to be a, a, a man about town. You got a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, actually, I do have a third book in mind. Uh which I basically started on about uh, about three years ago, and then this Hello Maggie thing started to uh, you know uh, boil you up, and uh, so I had to kind of table my uh, my uh, third book. But uh, I'll, I'll I may eventually get back to it, you know. But uh, well, I I have to say, you know, after talking with you over these three episodes, these three interviews that we've done with you on the Skull Rock podcast, I I honestly think you you you're an incredibly fascinating individual, and I think you deserve a book. There should be a beautifully illustrated, <laughs> not even illustrated, photographs. I mean, a, a a biography on Willie Ito. So I I'm just I'm just putting it out there, Willie. You know, because well, you. Uh, we 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 could do something beautiful together. Yeah, I I I am making notes about my uh, career and uh, stories and anecdotes and whatever. And uh, so, and it sounds like you have a lot of photographs and artifacts from your career. Uh, well, I really should have. But unfortunately, I'm a, I'm a terrible cataloger, so I've got stuff all over the place, and I have no idea where some of my uh, my photographs. And you know, one of my big regrets is when I was working at Disney in 1954, I uh, I was kind of intimidated because I, I made some visits to other studio prior to Disney. And every time you walk through that front gate of a studio, Warner Brothers or Universal, whatever, you know, there's a big sign that says no photographs allowed. Yeah. And so while I was at Disney, I, I, you know, that, that sign was always in the back of my head. I know exactly how you feel about that because that's one of my regrets from my early years at the studio. I didn't bring my camera with me enough uh, to capture yeah. pictures. And, you know, uh, there were others who did. 
You know, uh, I know. the rule breakers, I know. as I call them, the rule breakers. No, uh, <laughs> I'm a rule breaker myself, but I, you know, I was always paranoid that if I had a camera with me, like I'd get fired or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. And so I kind of missed, you know, the, the back lot, uh, you know, all the sets and yeah. the Zorro and the you know, Western Street and all that. I, I would just hang out there at lunchtime or during breaks and all that. And don't have a single frame of film, you know, uh, of that era. So, yeah, so sorry about that. Yeah, it is. It's kind of sad. Well, I, Willie, I have to say it was fantastic having you on the Skull Rock podcast for these three weeks. Uh, I so enjoyed uh, talking with you. I know Al John has as well. And, uh, and, and I'm just excited. I can't wait to see, uh, I hope you'll invite me to a, a premiere screening of, uh, hello, oh, Maggie, when you guys God, have yeah. it finished. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Well, I certainly will. I, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, how long it, it takes to make an animated film. <laughs> so I, I hope I'll be able to say, Hey, I saw it completed. Oh, this, I'm sure you will. will. My I, I, I have to say, uh, you know, something having not only talked with you on the Skull Rock podcast, but but visited with you before, you know, last fall and whatnot. I, I have to say, you're a very uh, with it and spry individual, uh, and you've <laughs> well, got a lot. You've got a lot you. of years ahead of you because you got you, you're so optimistic, and you've got all these projects going on. You're not going anywhere anytime soon. Well, I, I, I hope uh, that, uh, yeah, I still have a long career ahead of me. <laughs> well, I, th- I think you do, and I look forward to having you back on the Skull Rock podcast uh, in the future anytime. to talk to talk about uh, when Hello Maggie is completed. Right. Yeah, I would love to do that. And yeah. let me and let All me right. say too, you know, for Dave and I, it's obviously a pleasure to have you, Willie. But you're such an inspiration to all Asian Americans out there, and I'm so happy you decided to tell your story on our podcast. Thank you so much. Oh well, thank you, everyone. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. All that. right, Willie, we'll see you soon. Thank you very much. Okay, and I'm uh, I'm I'm glad that we finally got the technical aspects somewhat solved. <laughs> <laughs> it, it worked. You got it. We'll see you soon. Bye bye. Every morning when I turn on my computer, I'm so intimidated. So anyhow, <laughs> take care, you guys. Your attention, please. Now loading on track number one for a trip around Walt Disney's Magic Kingdom. Skull Rock Podcast. All aboard. Your Main Street to the world of Disney. I believe Willie Ito is busier than ever, Dave. The retirement does not suit him. I, you know, look, I, 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 I've often told people retirement's not a part of my vocabulary. (laughs) I think, I think that you shift gears from one chapter to the next and you have to keep yourself busy. You have to keep engaged. You have to keep giving back, uh, because it's important, you know, it's important for, for your, you know, your vitality, your, you know, you're alive, you're doing stuff, you know? What are you going to do? Retire and sit in the recliner and watch TV and fade off? I mean, that's that, that, that to me isn't the way to do it. I think you and I and, and Willie, it's important that 
you know, we we are working our passion. Our passion is films and animation, and and in my my you know my life, music and pop culture. And it's great that people like us, we don't ever have to stay retired. Every day we work and we work on our passion project. It's the same thing. And I think everybody should strive for that if they can. You know, Absolutely. Uh, it's, ne- it's never, you're never, never working a day in your life if you find the passion, uh, if, you, if you keep on working on your passion project. So that's awesome. That's exactly right. Absolutely. So anyway, gang, thank you so much. What a great interview with Willie Ito. Don't forget to check out our show archive because we have tons of stuff there for you to check out. Interviews with some of your favorite Disney animators, filmmakers, directors, and musicians. So much you can check out in the show archive. Please like, share, and subscribe to the show. Give us a like and follow on our social media as well. Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. You can visit uh, or email us rather, if you will. Dave at SkullRockPodcast.com or Aljon at SkullRockPodcast.com. And uh, don't forget, this uh, show is made possible by listeners like yourself. Feel free to check out uh, Spotify for Podcasters where you can uh, leave us a little something, something, and then support our show. And uh, last but not least for me, uh, follow me on uh, Al John Go on Instagram, as well as our sister show, uh, Dining at Disney. So uh, there you go, Dave. You've got the last word. Well, Al John, as always, you know, uh, I I just want to say, if you're interested in animation history, I've got about 60 articles up on my website, davidbossert.com. Uh, if you're interested in some of my books, there's links in there uh, on my books. You can read about them. Uh, you can also go to theoldmillpress.com uh, and there you can get some signed copies of, of books there. My books are also available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and at your independent bookstore. Just go in and, and ask them and they'll order it in for you. Support yeah. your local independent bookstores. Yes. Um, and with that... I'm going to say go out and have a fantastic week. The weather is going to be ugly again here in, in California. We're getting hit with, a, I think, our 11th atmospheric river oh, uh, no. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But uh, go out and have a fantastic week. Be safe. Enjoy yourselves. Live the dream. Live the dream. And we'll see you back here next week on the Skull Rock Podcast. I'm Al John Go, co-host of the Disney List podcast as heard on Sorcerer Radio, as well as Skull Rock podcast here with my wife, Kristen. Hello. Hello. You are an earmarked agent who books Disney travel vacations for people all the time. Give our listeners a reason why they want to give you a call instead of just booking a trip by themselves. Well, I can do all of the legwork for them. I have expertise. I've been to the Disney parks well over a hundred times so they've got that knowledge at their hand as well as it saves them time and money where can people get in touch with you so that they can book their next disney cruise disney park trip adventures by disney they can contact me at theme parks and cruises at gmail.com <laughs>